0: Uh, hopefully we will conclude tonight, called Better Together. How many know we do do life better together? So I've been talking about that the past number of uh, months. This is actually part nine in the series. Tonight I want to talk about 10 things you can do to help your church reach out. And uh, just give a little background again, 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. The Apostle Paul said, I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how to. people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. So uh, we've talked about ways we can conduct ourselves, talked about lots of things, and it's all on our website. If you weren't here uh, any of those times, go back and get refreshed. Um, I do want to mention that there are two institutions that God has put his stamp of approval on in the world. And both of those institutions are under attack because Jesus is coming back and the spirit of Antichrist is rising on the earth. How many hear what I just said? How many believe that Jesus Christ is returning? The signs of the times are, are uh, incredible right now, particularly in the m- Middle East, and, it's, uh, and, and all over the world, everything that Jesus said, everything that the prophets said would be happening, they're all kind of colluding together uh, for the grand finale that may occur in our lifetimes, having said that to institutions that God put a stamp of approval on in, in the earth because the Antichrist spirit is rising up. The first one is marriage. How many know marriage is under attack today? There's strain on marriages all over the earth, particularly in America as we're letting go of our Judeo-Christian roots. And people think they can live any way they want to live and marry anything they want to marry instead of doing what God said. How many know we need to protect our marriages? If you're married, you need to honor God. Protect that marriage by working on yourself and loving your spouse unconditionally and keeping your eyes on Jesus and each other, right? I could preach on that for a while. The second institution God placed his stamp of approval on is the church. And the church is under attack, particularly in the West, particularly in America, particularly because we have uh, such free access to so many things online now, not just in America, but worldwide. And and people have lost uh, the importance of attending local church. And my friend, let me just say it's really difficult to grow spiritually and, what we should be, and be what we should be in God in isolation. How many hear me? And the local church now is, I would say, more important perhaps than it ever has been. Hebrews 10, 24, 23 through 25. Let us hold fast our confession of hope without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. Verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And then he says in verse 25, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Even in the first century, there are those that didn't value the local church the way that God does. And so he said, uh, some have, have just stopped coming. They think they can live for God and be a great believer on their own, but they're deceived, he says. But exhort one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching, and that is the day of the coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. So I remember when I was a little boy, I <clears throat> did a podcast, hopefully we'll have it going pretty soon. but. Um, we recorded a podcast yesterday, and in that I mentioned when I was a little boy, I don't know how many times this happened, but uh, we lived in Florence, South Carolina, and my relatives lived in upper South Carolina just below Charlotte. And when they came to the beach, for, for instance, for vacation or whatever, uh, they would come through Florence and drop by our house. And it was usually on Sunday mornings when they did that. No kidding. So I'm talking about my grandparents, my grandmother, my grandmother, and my grandfather on my father's side, the Hortons. And then my aunts and uncles would come, and and I just never will forget. It made such an indelible impression on me as a very young child. They would come rolling in, and you know we we had to leave for church. You know nine thirty, quarter till ten or so, and they'd come to they'd be showing up nine fifteen. You know here comes grandma, here comes aunt, uncle, cousins. Whoa! I'm thinking, well we're not going to church today. Look at this. Here we're gonna play. And you know what my mom and dad did? Said, and I'm not kidding. They did it every single time. Said, and they, Whoever it was, my grandma, grandmother, grandfather, aunts, uncles, cousins. Well, you know, we got your know, food here. They show them the refrigerator, showed them the cabinets, showed them where the cups are, the plates are, have a seat, turn the TV on. We're going to church, invited to come with us. But we'll be back. At, and we usually got out of church at the church I attended at noon. Now, and we left them. I thought, my Lord, really? I left my grandma at home. I left I left my aunt at home. And you know, I thought, man, what is... But you know, it left an impression on me. And you know what it told me? Nothing is more important than meeting with God. Nothing is more important than gathering together. And I can't tell you, even in my dope days, in my teenage years, when I rebelled against God, I thought about that over and over and over and over. How many know it's important? So Jesus valued the church. He said this... um, He's asked his uh, disciples Who do you say I am? Peter said you're the Messiah The son of the living God uh, Matthew sixteen, sixteen, seventeen. 17 Jesus replied You're blessed Simon son of John My father in heaven has revealed this to you You did not learn this from any human being Now I say this to you that you're Peter Which means rock And upon this rock I'll build my church And all the powers of hell will not conquer it Jesus said I will build my church How many know he's still building the church? And he wants it today to be stronger than ever. How many would agree that Jesus is interested in the local church? So here's a question I have to ask myself. Am I as interested in the local church as he is? (laughs) I make the church. We are the church. The building's not the church. We are. I've had church under trees. I've had church, uh, you know, in, in big fields with no trees, with nothing but hot blazing sun, you know, in parts of the world that I've gone on missions trips. But, you know, we have a nice building. But how many know we're the church? So do I value the church that is you, each other, us together? Do I value it the way Jesus does? He does quite a bit uh, Most of the epistles in the New Testament were written to local churches, not to individuals, to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Colossae, uh, to, to the church in Thessalonica. To the church at Rome, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Jesus wrote seven letters to churches in modern-day Turkey, and those churches perhaps are, are a display of and a type of of the kinds of of um, of relationship that churches have with Jesus today. And we need to really be challenged by what Jesus there and said there about the seven churches in Revelation two and Revelation three. Churches are. Are God's passion today and strong churches are his passion because he wants everybody to grow. So let me talk about what it looks like um, to have a strong church and how can we work together. Here are 10 things we can do to help church, us as the body of believers, reach out. 10 things, I think I can get through this fairly quickly. How about number one, pray for each person in the church you attend. How many think that's important? You say, what in the world do you pray? Often, you know, uh, often we pray selfish prayers, but it's hard to pray a selfish prayer if it's born by the Spirit of God. That is, if the Holy Spirit unctions the praying. And I learned this years, over 40 years ago when I first came to Jesus. Uh, Kenneth Hagan, I heard him teaching on this. And, of course, Susan and I lived in Tulsa eight years and heard him talk about this a lot. And it indelibly affected me. And he would talk about prayer. I went to prayer seminars so many times when we we're in Tulsa, and it really affected my prayer life. And I can tell you now, most every day I pray the three prayers that the Apostle Paul mentioned uh, that he prayed for the church both in Ephesus and Colossae in Ephesians chapter 1. Look at this awesome prayer. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Here's what he prayed. This is, I pray this for you. And he said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling what the riches of the glory is of, of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion of your name that's named not only in this age but also in the age which is to come and has put all things under his feet gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body Body, the fullness of Him who fills all and all. I pray that for you. What if you prayed that for people as they come up to your mind? Isn't that an awesome prayer? You say, "Well, that's just a prayer from Scripture." You think that would be a good thing to pray for people? If if the Apostle Paul prayed that, how could it be wrong? Right. So if you want to know how to pray, just don't say, "God bless so and so." God helps so and so get specific about it. You know, if I know somebody's circumstance, I can pray specifically according to the word of God. I'm going to get into a prayer series fairly soon here. But uh, if I don't know someone and if I'm praying generally, for instance, for a for the believers at Victory Church or another church I may be praying for. This is one of the prayers I pray. Then also Ephesians chapter 3 beginning with verse, verse 14. Here's another prayer the apostle Paul prayed. For this reason, and I'm using New King James by the way. For this reason I bow my knees to, because it's in me. the father of, uh, To the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might. By his spirit in the inner man. If you've ever gone through a day and you're feeling kind of low. If you feel a quickening. Pastor Mitch has been praying for you. Because I pray this. That's an awesome way to pray. You pray that for me. I would love that. Right? Then he goes on to say. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the width and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What what about that person? What about that person you'd soon, soon not see at church? What if you prayed that they would be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that they would come to understand the love of God, that they would be filled with all the fullness of God? How can you have a bad attitude towards somebody you're praying for? Right? And you know, God often places people in our path Often in, our, in the church we attend, maybe you're visiting tonight, you're watching online, whatever, wherever you go, whatever church you attend, there's probably people you just care not talk to or even be around, just kind of walk by. You know, God wants you to learn to love them anyway. That went over big. So how, can you do, how, how can you do that? Great way is start praying for them. What if you prayed for the person who likes you the least? What if you prayed for the person on the job who despises you? You could tell by the way they act. I've had people in certain places I've worked in my past that wouldn't give me the time of day. One time, back in 1980, Susan and I moved to Tulsa, I had one guy got so mad at me because, uh, you know, we had a, a union where I worked. And I became a scab. I had to work. And if you don't work, even if there's a union, you don't get paid. I was going to school. We were busy. We were going to Rhema at the time. And I had to do, I had to work. So I walked across the picket line. They're saying they're picking, and you know, they're against this and again. I walked in the picket. He said, you scabbing on me? I said, no, I'm not scabbing on anybody. I'm just going to work. And I was one of the managers in the store, and I went, and they got mad. This guy walked by him and never said a word to me. He wouldn't even look at me. He acted like I didn't exist. When I walked by, he turned his head purposely. I walk into a circle. People are talking, you know, and I'm just, you know, got me a cup of coffee. We haven't started work yet, and they're just, you know, talking about this or that, and, uh, and, and. and, and I would make a comment. He would act like I didn't say it and change the subject and act like I didn't speak and, and move the conversation in a different direction. I said, look, man, this is weird. He'd come in the door. open opened the door in the morning. I was the night manager. I opened the door. He wouldn't even look at me. He acted like I was the invisible man. What would you do? I would address him. He would not answer me. I said, this is really strange. I started praying for him. I mean, really, I've started praying for him that God would reveal himself to him. How many know, and you know, God eventually, and it took weeks, but how many know God answers prayer, right? Uh, Colossians chapter one, the apostle Paul prayed this. I love this prayer for this reason. We also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled. I love this filled with a knowledge of of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. How would you like to be filled with the knowledge of God's will in your job, in your friendships, in your marriage, in your relationships with your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors? How, what greater thing could there be than to be filled with the knowledge of God's will? Isn't that great? You can pray that for yourself. How about pray that for the people around you, people in your church life, uh, the other fellow believers here at Victory. Then he goes on to say that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. I don't have time to go into detail here. That's not my purpose tonight, but that word worthy means to carry the same weight. That your life may carry the same weight that Jesus' life carries. That's a big way to pray for somebody. may You may walk worthy of the Lord, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. Y'all can pray that for me in the morning. How's that? How about I pray for you that way tomorrow? You're going to have a great day tomorrow. I'm going to pray this just for you in the morning. How's that? If you pray this every day, it's amazing the changes you'll see in yourself and in the people you pray for. So number one, uh, 10 things you can do to uh, help your local church to reach out. Pray for each person. Number two, number two, be an atmosphere enhancer. This is J.B. Phillips' translation, Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Verses 19 through 22. So you're no longer outsiders or aliens, but fellow citizens with every other Christian. You belong now to the household of God, firmly beneath you in the foundation, God's messengers and prophets. The actual foundation stone being Jesus Christ himself. In him, each separate piece of building. How many know you're a piece of the building of the body of Christ properly fitting into its neighbor. I love that grows together into a temple consecrated to God. You are part of this building in which God himself lives by his spirit. So Paul here uses the metaphor of an edifice, of a building that is built with individual blocks. Just He was probably thinking about the Jewish temple that was uh, the Herodian temple that was there, gaudy, ornate, huge in Jerusalem, thinking about all the stones that were quarried. Not a human hand touched them as it was being built. They were just laid in place and they made the building. You make a building. We, when we come together, for our Wednesday night service, Sunday morning services, when we come together as believers, we literally make a place where God can dwell. Isn't that awesome? So, so I was talking to Joshua the other day, and, uh, and we were talking about praise and worship, and I mentioned again one of the books uh, I read back in the early, in the late 70s in one of my Bible schools was on worship. And he said, that the, the author said, the atmosphere of every uh, uh, meeting that you attend— whether it's really secular or sacred, but he's talking about believers, the atmosphere of every church meeting that you attend, it is uh, prepared by the people that attend that meeting. So how many know I'm not completely responsible for the atmosphere? God's not completely responsible for the atmosphere. We all are. Is that true? So whether I'm excited, lukewarm, are cold spiritually. How many know that makes a difference? Is that true? If I've got coals in my charcoal grill and half of them are white and half of them are hot, it's going to take longer for me to cook the steak. Is that correct? But if all of them are hot if they're all together, and of course you've seen the the black coal that gets off by itself in your charcoal grill, it never turns white because it's alone. But together, even if, it's, even if it's still black and cold, if it gets put with the white coals, eventually it turns white. Is that true? So ask yourself this question. What kind of environment do I carry into any meeting that I'm in? I determined this years ago that regardless of what church I attended. I forgot how many churches I've attended in 42 years. It's eight or nine. Um, because I've moved and done this and that, pastored churches, etc. But every church, I've always thought, as I went into the church service, I've always thought, I'm going to add. I I think I'm going to add. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to help change the atmosphere. I'm going to help that pastor do what he's called to do. And y'all, 30 years ago, when I had a business and I worked all day and I was tired to the core, Susan was working second shift, third shift. I was working You know, during the day running my business, we had kids in daycare. I'm running home, shoveling food in their mouth, changing their clothes, wiping their mouth, changing their diapers, running to church. Even in the middle of all that, I I always say, God, do something in our church tonight. Manifest yourself. Help the pastor. Help the people receive. If you do that, how many know you create an atmosphere? How many would do that? How about do that Sunday before you come? Often we're hollering, hey, shut up, wait. I got, hey, I got to drive, be quiet. You know, <laughs> Hurry up, we got to go, we're going to be late. Well, you add some praying in that too, right? I mean, you know, if you ask the Lord to manifest himself, you'll be amazed at what happens. Be an atmosphere enhancer. Let me also say on the heels of that, be on time. How many are late? If you're constantly late for your job, how many know you're going to get a talking to? Is that true? Now, I know some people work at home, and I, but even if you work at home, you better, you better turn that internet on at a certain time because they can see what you're doing. There's a track record of what you're doing. Is that true? If we can do that for our businesses, why can't we do that for Jesus? These are eternal things we're dealing with here. I mean, you're going to be working for that business for X number of years, but you're going to have Jesus in your life one million years from tonight. Which one is more important? Then why don't we give the precedent to the things that are most important? So, you know, again, be on time. And I understand Wednesday nights we got traffic. It's weird. But Sunday mornings, I don't see any excuse. Do you? It's all about plan. Be on time, pray before you come, and then expect God to do stuff. Number three, be aware of the purpose of each service that you attend. So here at Victory, be aware of the reason that we have services. There are, there's a strategy to what we do, believe it or not. And let me just say this, I've said this many times, but it bears repeating. Sunday mornings are primarily times when our non-church friends we can invite them to come to church. And in America particularly now, if, if non-church people are coming to church, it's going to be Sunday morning. So, so here we have two services and we may, may have to go to three or four one day. And if we do that, you know what? We're going to tailor those Sunday services <coughs> with the thought in mind that people will be attending or people will be watching that don't know anything about the Lord. They don't know the Bible. They un- don't understand spiritual protocols. They don't know why we're singing. They don't know what I'm preaching out of. They don't know what the bible is and my job is to make it so understandable that they get something out of it and want to come back again and my prayer is that jesus does a work in their life and their life is transformed how many could agree with that So just be aware that there is strategy for what we do, particularly on Sundays. I know people over the years have said, "Why do you limit the services? Why are you limiting the Holy Spirit?" I'm not limiting anybody, but we've got to do something if our if our goal and objective is to reach people that don't know Jesus. We've got to find a way to reach them in a way that they'll they'll pay it, tune in, and listen to what we say. How many know you can do something in such a way? You're blessed. Everybody that knows everything about it are blessed, but the people that don't know beans about it, they're they're clueless. I don't know if I want to do that or not uh, my objective on Sunday morning is to meet, reach people that don't know Jesus how, how many would agree with that it's also to minister to believers I've got a, it's a hard job really you know you're thinking about ministering enough depth of the word that people that are seasoned can receive at the same time people that know nothing can understand what you're saying I mean that's a challenge so so pray for me. But again, be aware of the purposes. Wednesday night's a little bit different. We've got one hour. We have abbreviated praise and worship. Why? Well, because your kids got to get up and go to school in the morning. You got to get up early probably and fight the Raleigh traffic and get to your job on time. So we end at 8 o'clock. We used to go a lot longer, but we've changed things because our city's growing. Times have changed. And, you know, we need the word. We need one another. So we just want to hit it hard one hour. How many hear me? So, But Wednesday nights, you know, I teach in a different way than I do perhaps on Sunday mornings because there's a dif- different objective. Number four, be a unity promoter. How many think that's important? Again, go through the book of Acts. Unity was, was paramount, particularly at the, uh, the, at the beginning of the church age. Uh, the people were over and over again. The first few chapters of the book of Acts, they were in one accord in one place. They were in one accord in one place, they were with one accord in one place. And all that did was enhance the atmosphere because they were thinking the same way, because they were going the same direction. They had the same objectives in mind. It created an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to manifest himself. How many know if you go into any church and there's strife, there's division, and the people don't get along, how many know you can feel it in the atmosphere? How many know it quenches and grieves the Holy Spirit? I mean, I think we have a great atmosphere here. How many do you think? How many you think we have a good atmosphere? So ask yourself, am I, am I promoting unity in the way I think about fellow believers, about the way I think about the pastor, the leadership, the direction of the church? You may not agree with anything, everything. And, you know, unity doesn't mean you agree with everything that happens. And I've never been to a church I fully agree with everything that happened. Have you? But you know what? I made a decision. I'm going to flow. And here's what I found out. There's a lot of things that I don't know and understand because I'm not, I'm not in the inward, inward workings of why they're doing what they're doing. And I've had glorious opportunities to judge. Let me just say, I've had great opportunities opportunities to judge pastors and, and you know I've started to do that and every time I did the Lord slapped my hand it's like what? you don't know what he's dealing with you don't know what he's facing then when I went from that church to another I looked back and said oh my gosh look at I didn't realize that then I, when I became a pastor myself I got on the floor oh God anything I've ever done or said against any pastor I repent you know what I mean? it's like cause you know you just don't know till you're living in the it, till you're putting on the shoe how many hear me So be a unity promoter, Romans 15, 16, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I regularly pray this for our church. I pray this for for the people, for our staff team. I, I pray this for my advisory board. I pray this for you. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 1, 10. Now I urge you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you. And that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. I pray that regularly for our church and any church really that I've ever been in. Number five, how about ask God to do the impossible? How many know God can do impossible things? It may not, be, it may, not it may not seem possible for this person to change or this person to be healed or for this to take place or that. How many know God can do what we can't do? Mark 9, 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe... All things are possible to him who believes. It's possible for that family relationship to be salvaged. It's possible for that child to turn around. It's possible for that job situation to be changed. It's possible for God to do the impossible. How about pray for our church services that God would do the impossible? Impossible things are not always seen. Lots of impossible things are things inside of people that it seems like nothing can ever write but God can do it if anybody can. If we'll ask him. Ephesians 3.20, not a him. Who is able to do what is it? Exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us, and that's our faith. So, how many want to believe God for big things? So work with me on that. Number six, invite people to come to church. How many know that's important? This is message paraphrase, 2 Corinthians 5. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. Now, we could just live there the rest of the night. How many know you don't judge people by outward things? He said, we looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong. As you know, we certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone and new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from uh, the God who settled the relationship between us and him. And then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah. Giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. Isn't that good? So, so no, our responsibility is not up to the pastor and his staff to win the community to Jesus. We have our part to play individually, just like every believer. But let me just say, generally speaking, in America, in a large way, we have lost our evangelistic thrust. Go look at Europe today. Would you, want, would you like for, for America to be what Europe is spiritually now? In fact, the truth is all of the huge cathedrals that were built in yesteryear when there were tremendous moves of God and when God was honored and appreciated in the culture, uh, some of them are becoming beer halls. Other, others are becoming Islamic mosques. Others are dilapidated and run down and empty because there's nobody going to church anymore. Why is that happening? Because in a large way, Europe lost their evangelism. How many know where we could go that same direction unless we pick up the mantle that Jesus gave the church and go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? How many hear what I'm saying? So, so ask people and invite people to church. We've got those truelife.org cards. How many have been giving those cards out? Raise your hand. How about the rest? We've got the cards out there. they are awesome ways, even if you don't know what to say to someone. If you're entering into conversation, give them a card and say, hey, go check this out. Where where we are, we don't want anybody to disagree with us. And we don't want anybody to dislike us to the point that we don't share our faith for fear that somebody's going to disagree with us. How wrong could we be? Yes or no? I want to challenge you, I want to challenge me everywhere you are. We're examples of Jesus and we're we're, we're ambassadors. We represent Jesus everywhere we go. I don't know how to make it any easier. Get that card, drop it in someone's hand. It's got our church name on one side. TrueLife.org is the website for those that don't know. And There's lots of little small snippet videos on all kinds of subjects that people have questions about. A lot of people don't go to church because they're angry with God. They're upset with others. They have missed misunderstandings in their life and and a lot of those videos will just simply target and answer a lot of their questions even if you don't have the uh, answers and and you're not schooled in apologetics or defending what you believe go to True Life DoorDork. So get the cards, uh, pass them out. You invite people to church, have them come and sit with you, have them meet you here. I've noticed that we have a lot of newcomers to Victory in recent weeks, and I've noticed that on the cards they fill out, a lot of people are being invited by people that attend Victory. I think that's really, really cool. And that tells me we do have people that are reaching out. I want to encourage all of us, reach out, give out the business cards, invite people to meet you here, and uh, you'll be a at what God can do and let me just tell you how what it's like people don't change instantly and if you'll invite a friend to church if they enjoy it and my goal is when they come the Holy Spirit tags them you know He works inside of them and gives them an appetite for spiritual things And so often it is that a person may not meet the Lord the first time they come, but you know they'll just keep coming back. They keep warming up, keep softening, and eventually God will deal with them as we plant and water, and God eventually causes the fruit of salvation in their life. How many know it's important that we invite people and just let them keep coming? They may not, they might not smell right, act right, think like right, talk right. That's okay. Let them come. How many know we love people where they are? Yes or no? Anyway, invite your friends, invite your friends on Facebook. Be bold about it. So, anyway, a lot to say there. Number seven, look for ways to be an encourager. Years ago, I read Isaiah 50, verse 4, and it really, really did change me. And I asked the Lord regularly, Lord, I am blessed. Make me a blessing to someone else today. I've been praying that for, I mean, many, many years. Isaiah 50, verse 4, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary he awakens me morning by morning he awakens my ear to hear as the Lord. Ask the Lord to help you to be that person that can minister life to someone. Just an encouragement. You have no idea. Most people have a facade they wear. They can put on a plastic smile, but you never know what's behind the smile. And I can tell you, I've been in ministry since 1981. I know that people can smile real big, but they're hiding some deep, deep hurts and wounds. And and everybody needs encouragement. How many would agree with that? You've heard me give the quote from Mark Twain. Mark Twain said, you know, I can live about two weeks from an attaboy. People need to be encouraged. Ephesians 4, 29, listen to this. Let no foul or polluting language, no evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. But only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others as is to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace or god's favor to those who hear it isn't that a good way to talk you know if you got a problem with your words read these things a few times here's some other translations when you talk don't say harmful things but say what people need words that will help others become stronger than what you say will do good to those who listen um, let's see I love this the voice translation don't let even one rotten word seep out of your mouths instead on, offer only fresh words that build others up when they need it most that way your good words will communicate grace to those who hear them. How many know that's important? How about when you leave here and you go get your kids in children's ministry tell the teacher thanks, you're doing a great job, I appreciate you taking care of my baby or my toddler or my child I appreciate you pouring your life in I appreciate that. Give them a hug Tell them, give them a gift card sometimes, say thank you how many know you need, we need to encourage each other. Tell the people that are running the sound, that are running the visuals, tell the people playing the instruments, say thank you thank you, thank you. Tell the ushers, just tell Tell other believers, I appreciate you. Be an encourager. How many know we need to? Number eight, I'm almost done. Be willing to look past imperfections. How many know everybody has a bad day sometimes? If you never have a bad day, please raise your hand. We want to know how. Everybody has a bad day. Everybody's off their game sometimes. And how many know because of that, We need to give space and grace. I want to be on and hit a home run every time I minister to you. But you know, I could have a bad day. How many willing to give me some grace? You know, it's not easy to do this twice a week and just keep moving for year after year after year. Be willing to look past the imperfections of others. And then everybody's not as spiritual as you are. Read between the lines, right? (laughs) Ephesians 4, 2, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Colossians 3, 14, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive one another. Uh, Anyone who offends you, remember the Lord forgave you. You must also forgive others. I just love that. When it says, make allowances for each other's faults. Do you do that? Somebody's not acting right. Somebody's, you know, not saying something right. Somebody cut their eyes at you. Maybe they just had a sour stomach where they're looking at you kind of mean. Well, maybe they had a bad night. Maybe they got no sleep. Maybe they got chewed out by their bosses today. I don't, you never know. Be a blessing to someone, right? Number nine, give us your ideas. We thrive on ideas. If you want your local church to be enhanced, uh, you can email ideas to us, um, info at victorychurchraleigh.com or uh, the black box back there where Mira's standing. Does that mean? <laughs> They're black boxes. You can just write them anonymously. I've had people actually put, put stickers with letters so they couldn't, we couldn't read their handwriting. I'm not kidding. And they've given us suggestions. We thrive. You know, how much would you say? Probably over half, 75% or more of what we do is suggestions. Staff member suggestions. All all my life in ministry, I thrive on people suggesting. And if you make a suggestion, don't get offended if we don't do it tomorrow. Okay, we got to pray. Got to seek God. It might not fit now, but it might fit later. But, you know, we appreciate. Email them. Let us know. We need your suggestions. Give us your ideas. Lastly... Lastly, be a servant. Mark 10, 42, Jesus called them together and said, You know, the rulers in this world lord it over their people, officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever um, of you desires to be first shall be slaves of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life. A ransom for many. So, you know, I have to ask myself, ask yourself, in what way today am I serving someone else? Serve your spouse, serve your children. But then, when you come to church, how can you serve somebody? Be a, be. I can't encourage you enough. Be a part of our dream team serve someone bless someone be a part of our out we got some great outreaches going on right now just great in the school system we've got new things coming up this is a great time of year we have i appreciate all the boxes that were given to smith elementary and the other high school thank you for doing that and we got a lot more things that we're going to be doing but you know when you make a decision to be a servant it takes my eyes off of me and my problems and and when i put my eyes take my eyes off of me I put my eyes on others; it makes my problems a whole lot smaller. I don't know how many times in life I thought, "God, how could it get any worse? How could things be any worse?" And then I just have a conversation with somebody. Well, a lot of things are a whole lot more worse than what I'm dealing with. So you always think you're at the end of your rope, you know? And like, how could how could anybody have to deal with this? You know what? Everything you go through, somebody else has gone through. There's always somebody worse off than you. How many hear me? So, you know, don't let those mental games be played in your mind. And one way you can keep those mental games out of your head is is to be a servant to someone else. Every time I've ever taken my eyes off of me and put them on Jesus and other people, I've always been blessed. And somehow God's always worked out the little aggravations in life that come. How many know he wants to do that for all?